Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. I recently ran up uh, against an interesting proposal in the marketplace just recently. And, uh, and it, was, it was fascinating to me. Here is this organization and this founder and CEO of a consulting and EP company who is offering to the executive protection community what is termed an international covert close protection course. So one, I was kind of interested, the why behind it, and two, the why, what drives this man to be in this industry. And then three, I have some interesting questions. I think we can take this conversation uh, and we'll see where it goes. But first, I want to introduce to the community the founder and CEO of the Ana Group, Mac Siegel. Mac, great meeting you. Thank you so much for having me, Ron. What a privilege and an honor uh, to be here on The Great Conversation. Well, thank you very much. Uh, October 25th through the 31st of this year, you're going to be in Amsterdam for that course I just mentioned. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, yes, I will. I will be actually teaching the course. I don't teach so much anymore, but this is a, a brainchild, um, which is close to my heart. There is an absence of advanced training in the executive protection industry. Once people have done their initial course, wherever they do that, they tend to do refresher training in medical, driving, firearms, if it's relevant. However, someone who's been working for a few years and wants to do the next level, wants to add to the skill set that's going to make them more valuable to the corporate market, to the government market, to the ultra high net worth market, they don't really have where to go. Most of our clients and the clients that I've worked with over the last 20 years prefer what we call covert close protection, meaning that their protection details are mostly, uh, I won't say invisible. What they're doing is they're hiding their purpose, not their presence. So you might see them, you just won't realize that they're the EP team. They're not walking around in black suits and dark glasses and earpieces, you know, a foot and a half behind the client's right shoulder. They blend into the environment. They're there to facilitate success, facilitate productivity, ensure the client has everything they need, that they can get about their day without hindrance and obstacle. When they're not needed, they're in the shadows. When they are needed, they will be right there and they will appear to facilitate whatever it is the client needs, if that's uh, a bottle of water or to prevent somebody reaching the client, uh, they will do it. But it will be done in a sophisticated and intelligent and low-key manner. And that's what we're teaching in Amsterdam at the end of October. Is this brainchild come out of your discussions with your clients saying, I want something different? I want something more advanced? Uh, where did this brainchild come from? Well, I cannot pretend it's my brainchild in its uh, conception. Um, COVID close protection is, I'd say the last 15 years has made its way into the market. Um, the previous company where I worked, um, we kind of adopted that methodology because many of the tech clients 
uh, are not fans of executive protection or security. They do not want it necessarily. Um, they certainly don't want someone to handle them or tell them what they can and can't do or where they can and can't go. However, when they understood there was an alternative, when they experienced the COVID uh, protection detail, understanding that these guys are not just about protecting their well-being, but it's about facilitating everything from the drivers to the uh, whatever kind of, I don't know, toilet paper the client likes in his hotel room, um, to the restaurants, to everything about the trip that will go smoothly. And they're not going to feel these guys. They're like glorified personal assistants who happen to also provide security. So they reacted much better to that. And they started saying, hey, you guys actually make life easier. One of the nicest compliments I ever heard in the previous company where we worked, a client said, you guys make it easier for us to travel so we travel more. Wow, that's fascinating. I am kind of curious, though. Uh, it's always interesting to me to integrate disciplines, and I'm not sure you have integrated them in a person. I think you may integrate them in a team. So where I'm going at is there's distinctly different skill sets from an EP and a concierge that would facilitate the logistics and all the things you're talking about. So tell me how you integrate those two disciplines. So you're right on the money. Uh, they have to be fully integrated. So when, when you're working in a government detail, they don't have to be because when you're providing close protection for a politician, your sole concern is protecting that person. You're not gonna carry their shopping you're not worrying about their restaurant reservations or that there's the right beverage in the vehicle. There are other people to deal with that. In the corporate world, however, that is all your problem. So uh, my team, I can speak for the people I know and I work with, uh, they are integrated. They are protectors. Uh, I hate that term. Uh, but they are also concierge, gopher, chauffeur, PA, whatever the client needs them to be. That is what they are. It is an absolutely 100 service-based industry, or it should be. It is not a Rambo, macho, ninja-based industry. We are service providers. And whatever shape or form that takes, and obviously if we're in a higher-risk environment, it's going to look different. Um, and if we're in a lower-risk environment, it's going to look different. But it, we have to know how to do all of that. Otherwise, we cannot effectively do the job. When um, this course is about a week long uh, taking place in Amsterdam, uh, is it a small group? Is it a large group? Uh, how, how are you organizing this over that week? Uh, so a full class, we generally kept the class of 12 students with two instructors, meaning that the two instructors, one, they're both teaching, but two, when we got into the field to do training exercises, then you have two VIPs. Each instructor takes a team with them and they head out into the field because 12 people on one principle is, you know, not realistic. Even six is a lot, but, um, but, but, but it, it works. So we don't like to have massive classes. It's very personal. We give a lot of feedback in the field while they're doing exercises, while we're practicing. Uh, so we generally cap it at, at 12 people. And you're doing simulations, which means it looks like you're, you're actually leveraging the environment, Amsterdam, 
and you set up some simulations. That's interesting. Tell me, tell me about one or two of those simulations, just to get a feel for it. Okay, so when we speak about total immersion training, um, the students are actually will be staying in the same hotel as the instructors, the VIPs. And because they're all experienced agents, they're going to be protecting those VIPs throughout the entire week. So they're actually working while they're learning mm. and protecting us. When we head out into, into the city, um, so Amsterdam, one of the blessings is, you, you know, we have role players uh, in the course to simulate. I'm not necessarily a bad guy. It might be an autograph seeker. It might be someone doing surveillance. Um, you know, it might be a disgruntled ex-employee. So those are role players that we use. And the beauty of Amsterdam, like any big city, is if you know where to go, um, you know, you can go into areas that are going to make the teams really nervous uh, and uptight because of the kind of people hanging out there. Um, so we play with them. In terms of the simulations of what goes on, um, me and my, my, my co-instructor is actually the, the director, one of the directors of our EP division, who's also been working for about 20 years. So when we do simulations, we take them from real life experiences that we've had. We don't try and invent some Hollywood, you know, exaggerated, uh, you know, guys parachuting and landing on the client's car. I don't know what nonsense sometimes people come up with, but we're taking scenarios, um, most of which are not about a guy running at the client with a knife because that very, very, very seldom happens but all sorts of challenges that we have come across over the years. And then we take the real life experiences and weave them into the simulations. And then we can also discuss how we dealt with them at the time and see how the students deal with them during the course. Excellent. So here's a curveball. One of the things I've noticed in my career is uh, if I want to get into the head of another, especially if that other is going to be part of my team. Um, seeing how they see, hearing what they hear, getting to know them at a, let's use your term, immerse myself in them so I then can depend on them later. And this could be anything from operations to security, right? So has anyone, to your knowledge, actually gone to the client base as a persona, let's call it, as a persona, and said, um, and said, let me put you through something like this so, one, you know intimately how you're going to be protected and served, and two, you then can be better prepared in the event of an incident, you actually become part of your own security detail. I mean, has anyone ever done that? And if they, you know, and, and, and is there a why behind it? Is there a market for something like that? I think that's a spectacular question. Uh, I'm gonna break it down into a couple of parts. So there's a discussion, an ongoing discussion. Do you brief the, the Okay, I need to make a distinction. There's a client and there's what we call the principal. The principal is the person being protected, right? So if you're the CEO and I'm protecting uh, Mr. Ron Woman, you are called the principal. But the client is the Sage Consulting Group, right? 
The corporation is the people hiring us to protect their CEO. So there's a very important distinction between the client and the principal. Thank you. If I'm being right, if I'm being employed by Ron Warman and he's paying the bill, well, that's a whole different kettle of fish, right? Because then if Ron tells me, hey, Mac, I'm going out dancing tonight and I don't want you guys along, stay at the hotel. Well, I have to pretty much listen to Ron because he's paying the bill. But if the Sage Consulting Group is paying the bill, then I don't actually have to listen to Ron. I got to go. I'm tasked with looking after you, so I can't just let you go out by yourself unless somebody from the Sage Consulting Group who hired us tells us we can leave you alone, right? It's a very slippery slope when the client tells you to go away. That's a different discussion. So most of our principals are not people who we would approach with this or would give up time out of their days to come and spend a week hanging out with me in Amsterdam. We're considering these are Fortune 500 CEOs usually um, or COOs. Unlikely that the principal will be willing to do this. The ongoing discussion is, do you even brief the principal? So if the principal is coming to Jerusalem, do, do you really want to sit down with him and say, look, uh, if something happens, this is what we're going to do? Uh, not really. Um, you're just going to do it. The only time we'll give specific instructions is if, you know, there's a high risk of an earthquake or a missile attack or something. So then we'll say, okay, in the event that we hear sirens, this is what we're all going to do. But in terms of your question on the course, the interesting people to speak to, to participate in a course or similar course would be the personal assistants of the clients, right? Or business managers, the people who are always there traveling with our principals. Uh, if it's what we call a residential uh, team, there's what we call the family managers, uh, the residence manager who manages everything to do with the residences. There's chief security officers of corporations. And many chief security officers weren't necessarily in the corporate EP space. So they came directly from the Secret Service or some other government branch and got a job as a chief security officer for ABC Corporation. But they haven't necessarily done the job that we, we, we have done. Um, there's also full-time agents and team leads um, on these corporate clients. And to your point, I think it would be fascinating to invite these people who are kind of right next to the client and also the decision makers in selecting vendors to protect their client. I think that could be really interesting for them to attend a course or a modified version of the course. As much as for them to experience what you described, and maybe more importantly, for us to hear from them, how can we better serve you? Right? What could we do different to make your life easier, to make your principal's life easier? What are the frustrations that you guys have had running up, working with EP teams all over the world? Right? Let's find how we can brainstorm together and make it more workable and more palatable and more beneficial uh, for all of you. Yeah, I think, uh, Mac, I think you just took it up, up a notch and I appreciate it. That's right. It's not only the immersion where they can get a feel for the services, the true 
services for covert protection, but uh, but also become a feedback loop to make your profession better and your detail better. That that's awesome. I also could see it um, if you were agnostic. That is, you you became if your organization became a training only company. Let's say, I could see where you could actually. Um, bring prospects in from other companies and this could this could be a way for them to get introduced to those prospects through a mutual training as well so that that could be interesting as well absolutely what we see now for example on uh, is in silicon valley for example there are a lot of smaller corporations who need help Mm-hmm. They cannot. They cannot afford a full-time security director or chief security officer, but they do need security guidance for the corporate headquarters for the events. If their CEO happens to travel, you know, to Africa or something, and they need support, mm-hmm. um, and they don't really know how to go about it. Uh, and, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Thinking, well, h- how do you help these companies? Um, you know, stand on their you know, security feet, if you like, mm-hmm. and support them and educate them that they'll make good decisions later on when they grow and they do need more serious levels of, of, of executive protection uh, to lay the foundation for that and that they can make good, good decisions when, when that time comes. Well, with the, um, with the tensions we have in our, in our society globally, um, around the 1%, um, I would think this kind of service would be, get even more interesting, especially for, like you said, outside the Fortune 500. You know, is there a reason these days to seek um, a more, a more uh, pervasive and persistent security detail in in the Fortune 1000, Fortune 5000 kind of uh, businesses, uh, that that would be an interesting question. Does 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 the risk now demand it? What what's your thoughts on that? Everything that we do should be based on risk. Uh, an incredibly incredibly sage uh, gentleman told me a couple of weeks ago, and I was speaking to him, that the job of a CEO is to uh, navigate risk and opportunity. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> we did, uh, just so the community knows, we talked a couple of weeks ago where we introduced ourselves and, and, uh, and Mac correctly quotes me that the primary role of a CEO is navigating risk and opportunity. So go ahead, Mac, yes. So, uh, yeah, so I was thinking a lot about that after you said it. Uh, everything in our industry has to be risk-based. Mm. How many people do I need in the team? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Where are you going? Who are you? What's your risk profile? What's your risk appetite? Etc., uh, etc. Et right? So there's no uh, rubber stamp. There's no one size fits all for what we do. Uh, risk is ever evolving. And especially in today's world, uh, there is so much tension, like you said, so much intolerance. Uh, Global risk, what just happened uh, in, in, uh, in the Middle East, far uh, in Afghanistan, um, no political commentary at all. But 
there will be ripples uh, from that. Uh, the world is so globally connected in terms of risk that any incident, any shift, any change changes the risk landscape. And I'm not even going to the cyber risk landscape, which is uh, colossal and, and even more dynamic maybe than the physical risk landscape. Uh, so all these companies going forward uh, need to think about, because whether it's your events, uh, whether it's your CEO, when you have a CEO or a chief software architect upon whom your company is riding, and they're traveling to somewhere in the world, you might want to have someone next to them who knows what to do if something goes wrong. And that doesn't mean if somebody's, no one's going to attack them, right? Most of our clients, nobody really knows who they are if they walk down the street. But if the person's in a car accident or slips on a banana peel or gets food poisoning or a heart attack or a myriad of other things or the civil unrest in the city where he is and it happens to be right outside his hotel, it would be maybe good to have someone alongside, you know, who knows what to do, who has a plan. That's so well said. And I think there's two other things too. Um, and I can't help myself, uh, as you know, been around a lot of startups and inside large companies starting new divisions. So, so I can't help myself. I've got this entrepreneurial streak and part of me wants to say that, um, you know, the best professionals out there tell me if I'm right. And it's very hard to do this, especially if you're busy. But one, um, how do you stay up to speed on risk, not just at the local level where somebody is traveling, but around the world? How do you, how do you stay up to speed on risk so that it informs and infuses your practice, your EB practice? And then do you, do you sell persistence? Uh, that is, they engage your firm persistently because that in itself becomes a continuous quality improvement loop because you get to know the company and the principal uh, over time. And uh, both those loops would be hard to institutionalize in a typical EP practice. Would you agree? Um, first point, I agree, and I, I can speak to it. The second point what we see is if the principal is happy with a the provider, then that's who they want to see, right? So, so Mr. Woman will say to his PA, look, when I get off the plane in Lisbon, I want to see Mac. Okay, so it's a relationship, got it. It's absolutely a relationship. Uh, we land up with embedded teams. So sometimes you have a client, they don't want to in-house FTEs, uh, because of HR and all sorts of other complications. So they say, okay, Mac, can you supply us with a four-man EP team? They're going to work full-time at our corporation, right? They're an embedded team hired through your company. That way, if we don't like someone, we can just tell you to switch him out, right? Because he's, he's not employed by us. Um, so, so we see that uh, happening. Um, but definitely the, the principles have a comfort level. It's a personal relationship. They work with these people because they feel comfortable. There's a, uh, they feel safe. When they see those people, they feel everything's going to be okay. So consistency is, is really important in what we do. Right, right. 
Well, the reason I believe this has been a great conversation with Max Segal is that uh, first I'm gonna speak to leaders. It's not just about you. If you get hurt or an incident surrounds you, it can damage your company, can damage the confidence of your people. So leaders pay attention. This is an important, in this day and time, this is an important role in your company, just like your sales marketing role, your operations role. Consider this uh, a, a valuable piece of your company if you haven't to date. The second thing is um, take, take care of your current security staff. Get them immersed in this as well. Uh, so, and also your, um, your ad administrative staff, your personal assistants and so forth, get them involved, get them learning what this is all about so they can be more effective in, in serving your travel needs. And, uh, and finally, what I learned is Mac has got an entrepreneurial streak like me, this, uh, even though this covert courses like this have existed, uh, he's got a unique spin on it. And, uh, when this podcast is published, it'll still be time to register if he has any openings left for that October 25th class. Mac, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Ron. It, 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 uh, I've really enjoyed it. And you asked really probing and, and uh, excellent questions.